Hello and welcome to episode 1187 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, June 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? How we, I'm doing all right. How about you? I know you're coming off a, a late night softball writing, and we do we go early on Fridays, so how how you doing? Uh, I'm here. I am. I am here. Yeah, yeah. I was up to like two a.m. or something like that. Uh, mostly because I was I was writing after the softball game, and then I was like, oh, I'm just gonna jump right into bed because I got to be up at five thirty, and um, and then uh, I was all like, smelled myself, and I was like, oh no, I can't just go to bed. No, I gotta, I gotta no. go take a shower. So <laughs> <laughs> I smelled myself. That's so funny. Oh man. Well, I'm jealous that you're playing softball. I am. My team kind of disbanded as everyone sort of moved, really. Uh, key yeah. components just kind of moved out of Austin, Texas altogether. So I haven't played softball in a while, and I'm certainly jealous when I hear you and others in the industry be like, oh, I had softball last, and I'm like, man, oh, to swing a bat again. Anyway, we're going to talk some two starts. I'm looking over here at the news items. I don't really see any news items we need to talk about. So I think we get right into to two steps. I see uh, Christian and Canarcion Strand playing right field on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're trying to work him in the outfield as an avenue to get him up. Because interestingly, Joey Votto, also a red, of course, uh, homered it in his AAA rehab on Thursday. And CES uh, plays first. Votto does as well. They're, of course, going to give Votto, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to play, of course. So that's the tough part with CES. I do like picking him up. Especially if you can stash him and you don't have to wait till he's called up, because his power's great. But I don't, not a ton of movement there. Um, maybe Emmett Sheehan. Oh, I didn't see this. This is this should be main. Oh yeah, never mind. It is the number one news. Literally, literally here in the last few minutes, um, Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers is going to be called up to make his MLB debut today against the Giants. Joe Sheehan's kid. Not bad. What? No, I'm kidding. That's a- Oh, I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Joe Sheehan does have a kid, a lovely daughter, but uh, no, not, not Emmett Sheehan, the prospect. So, you know, Justin, we talked about this, fuck, man, like November, October of last year. Like, I think, I'm not saying like we, we coined it or we were on something early, but we started talking early about how they're going to have a youth movement. Although I think we talked about it more in the context of the hitters while also acknowledging like, hey, they don't have a ton of pitching depth, but they'll probably handle that during the offseason, which is what we were saying back in November. They didn't. And now here we are, like they are kind of cycling through their prospects, really going for that youth movement. We've seen Garrett Stone flop, Gavin Stone, excuse me, flop, unfortunately. Uh, Bobby Miller's been pretty good. Michael Grove has been hit and miss. Now we have Emmett Sheehan. What do you know about Sheehan and how interested are you in this call up? Um, I mean, from our scouting report, I don't. I've never watched him pitch, so I, I don't want to like pretend like I have. Uh, looks like he has two plus pitches and not a lot of commands. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how well that plays. We've seen uh, some guys make it work with uh, two plus pitches like that, uh, and it's not that he doesn't have a, a, th- a third pitch. It looks like he has uh, kind of some secondary offerings that might work but it's it's going to come down to like control and command for a guy like that probably a lot of strikeouts um but you know could struggle with home runs could struggle with walks so you know giants aren't a bad team necessarily to go up against in your first uh outings so no uh so get ready to spend 300 plus dollars on fast yeah. if he drops seven scoreless or some crap it's, like that and some point, will be people have to run out of money i know we keep you saying would it. think I know like, we keep saying it, but then every week somebody pulls fucking six hundred bucks out of their. I don't, couch I don't know if this is like a product of inflation, like where like <laughs> like NFPC just keeps printing money. The, um, the inflation has gone so crazy in the country that it has seeped into fantasy baseball, folks. Uh, but yeah, so MSGN is skipping AAA. He's coming up from AA, where he finished last year for four innings. He uh, most of his season was spent in High A. This year, repeating AA. I don't even want to say repeating. Mostly like. Finishing double A, let's say 53 and a third, 42 percent K rate. You love that 11 percent walks. And you talked about the control that's been prevalent throughout his stops. Emmett Sheehan has had double digit walk rates pretty much everywhere. But I look at a spicy 20 percent swinging strike rate for the 23 year old. And you know, skipping triple A for guys that uh, have for teams that have clubs 
in the PCL isn't necessarily a terrible thing. I don't really want prospect pitchers going and pitching in some of those zones anyway. So I'm interested to see what can happen here. He's 23, so he might be able to make the leap. The issue with Sheehan, if he does pop off, is if you're, if you're spinning it forward, which you probably would be maybe in a, in a deeper league, like an NL only or something, he only threw 67 innings last year and has 53 so far this year. So I don't know how how much we can really expect, right? But yeah. probably by year here, I, I think we don't go too far into the future regardless. Let's see where uh, where Sheehan would line up if he he's does all, well. He's also 23, so maybe they don't want to baby maybe. him quite as much. But Exactly. Like still this not is a 20-year-old skipping yeah. AAA. Um, but with Sheehan starting today, one, two, three, four. Well, they only have five games next week. So he necessarily wouldn't. He wouldn't necessarily have to start or even be able to start next week. So that adds another interesting wrinkle. He goes off today, let's say, Sheehan, and then isn't lined up for a start next week. It would be Kershaw, Grove, Miller, Gonsolin, and then Kershaw again, or Urias they prob- could throw. Urias probably is back by then. Unless- oh, okay, so then that would even I th- take My Sheehan. guess is this is a one-and-done type of situation. Okay. Uh, and then... Sheehan goes back down to double air. Maybe they send him to triple A uh, for the first time. Uh, Urias has just had a couple you know, minor setbacks in in his rehab. I don't expect him to be out very long. So, especially so not, if they've yeah, especially if they've got a five game week next week. Yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah, I just I don't see Sheehan having a whole lot of staying power. Okay, so even if he dominates, don't go spending a ton of money on somebody who might not even be there for you literally next week. Um, but Plus, you know. Syndergaard's just out with a blister, so I mean, unless uh, that could I mean, be a long blister with how he's pitched, though. Well, and, and he could just end up right back in the bullpen, or even yeah, DF eight or something at this point. I love him, but it's been really bad. It's been really bad. He's a guy I root for, yeah. but I understand, like from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I mean, you know. you know, like I wasn't in on Syndergaard <laughs> at all, um, you know, in draft season, but watching that interview with him just talking about like he's just not the guy that he once was and he just yep. wishes he was was just so like heart-wrenching i just felt so right? bad for the guy uh, i i do too and again because i like i love thor and i want him to be good too i want him to be thor um but, he, but he's not he's he's very th- firmly noah Syndergaard, or as some people have termed him fat thor uh, not that he's fat but they're making a reference to the movies when when Thor got fat. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk some two steps. Emmett Sheehan. Let's go ahead and make sure I put that on the sheet here. So there we go. Uh, let's talk two steps, guys. Two step guys. There's a bunch of interesting ones next week. I think this week we had a lot of stars because we had a pretty thin list because it was so many obvious guys. Next week we got some we got some interesting choices here. Let's start with Boston. They got Cutter Crawford and Garrett Whitlock going off uh, against at Minnesota and home to Seattle. Let's start with, well, first off, who do you think is the better of the two? I mean, I think Whitlock is better too from a straight skills perspective and from a sit-start perspective. The hard part with uh, Cutter Crawford is I just don't know if he's going to go deep enough into the game to matter he's stretched out point. yet yeah i, I mean they're stretching him out what was the last outing i'm looking right now I think he went four okay let me check the pitch counts real quick he went 80 pitches so yeah it, it only it did only yield i think four innings like you said yeah four on the button but it was 80 pitches so i think that's pretty well stretched out enough to be able to get five if crawford's pitching well he also gave up yeah. four runs five hits three walks so he wasn't able to get through five there I think if he's pitching well, he can get there with 80-plus pitches. Um, so Whitlock it has been the better guy. I tend to agree with that, too. Where are you starting Whitlock here? Um, are you picking him up anywhere for, for this two-step? Because he's got some availability in shallow formats. What do you think of Whitlock? I think I'm starting Whitlock everywhere, um, or okay. pretty much everywhere. He's just, he, God, he, he's just such an unhittable force when he is on. Yeah. Um, and I'm not super worried about the Mariners' offense. It has not completely clicked uh, as of yet. Neither of these, um, Neither of these offenses. Yeah, even with Buxton back, I'm not really worried about Minnesota either. So No, I respect uh, both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, both offenses are solid. I wouldn't be surprised if either rise up against either of these pitchers. But neither 
Seattle nor Minnesota make me run from a, an intriguing streamer, which, uh, which um, excuse me, Whitlock definitely is. 33% rostered at Yahoo, so a lot of availability. And I agree with you. I would start him in all formats. So yeah. he's a streamer that I'm picking up in 10s, 12s. Garrett Whitlock is, and I'm going for him. Yeah, Let's the shift last, across. Last two oh, outings. Ahead, I'm sorry. sorry 13, 13 and third um, over the last two outings, 13 strikeouts. Uh, you know, That's only, great. Only two walks, only one home run given up. So. Uh, like he has been over his last two starts, just been really, really good. Yeah, and I think he's somebody who could really be uh, much higher rostered as the season goes on, and we could see Whitlock not not even necessarily be available in some of those shallower formats. Uh, Crawford's a bit different. I do like Crawford, my my buddy Greg, huge Crawford guy, and uh, definitely sees the talent there. I, I see it as well. I do really think this guy can be something. He is, I think, stretched out with the 80 pitches last time. So I think that's less of a concern now. We're looking at a 19% strikeout minus walk, done mostly in the bullpen, worth worth acknowledging that. But if Crawford is capable of getting at least five innings, where do you start to feel comfortable with him? Is, is he somebody that you're picking up and stashing? Would, do you want to use him for this two-start in a 12-teamer, 15-teamer? What's up with Crawford for you? I can't imagine you're going 10 depth, but how deep no. would you go with Crawford? I think 15 is probably what I'm looking at. I think, it, I mean, obviously it really depends on what your other options are, but in a 15, like it's just so hard not to start a guy who's a two start uh, because yeah. there's so few options out on the wire. I remember uh, Fab last week, like trying to find a starting pitcher to like even just pick up was a process in itself. Like, I don't even know. It's like, oh, Patrick Corbin's out there. Do I really want to play that game again? Like, I've, um, I've done that. I've seriously looked into Patrick Corbin more than once this year, and I feel bad about it. I feel really bad. Yeah. He feels bad um, about it, too. <laughs> he is pitching all right relative to where he's been recently. I, I like Crawford 15s for sure. Definitely picking him up there. I think I would be open in 12s, but he's only 5% rostered at at Yahoo. So he's probably there's probably more guys likely available, even guys that we're going to talk about. Pick up Whitlock over Crawford. If you're in a tight, tighter 12 where, you know, Whitlock's long gone, I think Crawford comes into play. Uh, our next guy here, Yusei Kikuchi. I'm never really in on Yusei Kikuchi. However, Justin, <laughs> if you were to perfectly set up a two-step that might get me to even consider him, you know, because we don't put guys on the list that are automatics, like I, I, we're not going to put Garrett Cole on here, but I also try not to put guys that are automatic no's as well. And so Kikuchi, probably an automatic no in a lot of scenarios, but at Miami, home to Oakland, probably the best outside of maybe at Miami, at Oakland, probably the best setup that you could generate for this homer-heavy pitcher. He has a 2.4 homer per nine for Kikuchi. 16% strikeout minus walk isn't bad, but with that whip, 137, and all those homers, it's scary. Is this enough at Miami, home to Oakland, to get you in on Kikuchi for a two-step? And if so, where? I imagine it, deep leagues only, if anywhere. Pitched well enough yesterday to like you know stay in there against the Orioles, too. Um, hey, you and Tristan got your Tyler yeah, Wells outing, though. We did. We did. That I, was fantastic. I appreciated that. Even with two home runs given up to Danny Jansen on my bench. Mm -hmm. um, here's the thing. Uh, Miami's actually been really good against left-handed pitching this year. Uh, they are fifth in Major League Baseball against lefties, uh, if you're just looking at WOBA. Um, so it's not quite as easy as an outing as would be, uh, or as you would maybe think. They suck. I mean, just against I mean, right-handed pitching, against left-handed pitching, against no-handed pitching. Uh, the A's are not good at all. So I did see a guy headbutt the ball against them. That's how he pitched it and mm -hmm. struck out the side twice. Well, Hogan Harris is, you know, he's a god. So <laughs> um, I I just have a really hard time trusting Kikuchi. I guess in 50-team league mix, like if, if you're really, really um, – looking for a gamble it's not the worst of gambles to make it um and i'll probably write them up today for my two-start pitching article but uh for the most part i'm trying to avoid that yeah he i mean i can see kikuchi being on the board but that's about it. i'd take Crawford this is the one where it's like him. you go if you can't use him here you can't use him anywhere a hundred percent like, like if you mean, are still holding him there is no better option mm -hmm. 
for Kikuchi than this, even with the issue, even with Miami having some strength against lefties. You got to take that shot in their park, and then you get the Oakland start. Yeah, if you're ever going to use Kikuchi, I think this is it. I can understand it in 15s. I still am looking for reasons not to, though. So I would rather go with um, not the next guy, the guy, the second to next guy that we're going to talk about. But let's talk Jesse Schultons. I think I'm saying that last name right. S-C-H-O-L-T-E-N-S for the White Sox. He's been up already this year and, and pitched a bit. He gets versus Texas, versus Boston, which is a pretty easy no. And I guess I, I did say earlier that I try not to include guys that are firm no's. But I didn't do this part of the list. You did because somebody fell asleep at their chair waiting for mm -hmm. the pod to start. And it was actually me, even though you're the one who wakes up at 530. Uh, so, yeah, you put Schultons on here. Um, I'm not saying that to like this you or anything. I'm just saying, like, he's on here. Are you finding any interest in him, though, next week with Texas-Boston both at home? Yeah, it's an almost one-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio. I don't know and if that's good. It's, it's really, really bad on both accounts because we're talking about a guy who's, like, striking out under five for nine and almost walking oh. five for nine. So. Yeah, so, where? okay, obviously a one-to-one -one strikeout to walk as a pitcher would never really be good, right? One of them has mm -hmm. to be horrendous. What would be your ideal there? Would you rather somebody that they're one-to-one they have 10 Ks per nine, but also 10 walks. So you got to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's okay. exactly what I, I mean. Like he can't find the strike zone anyways, but people seem to swing outside exactly. of it for him. Yeah. That I would pre much prefer that to the guy who is like, Hey, he's not walking a lot of guys, but one walk per he, nine, but one strikeout per nine. <laughs> he hasn't struck out anybody since May. Like, yeah, um, that yeah, would be worse. I, I, agree. I would, I would, I would prefer the the uh, the former. Sh Schultons is closer to that with four point nine, four point three, uh, walks, strikeouts. So we are a full pass here, even like AL yeah. only. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Savali. Now he is somebody I would take over Kikuchi for sure. He gets Oakland and Milwaukee at home. He is more of a finesse guy, right? We know that, but he gets the job done. You know, Cal Quantrill, Aaron Savali. These guys, they've had these finesse guys. They've had elite dominant guys they've run the gamut with the with the development guys in cleveland but i've always liked savali he's always you know pretty solid he'll have his bumps here and there but it's usually followed by an il stint then he gets back on track and the in the kind of like high threes low fours era guy that is pretty reliable in deeper formats that you and i mostly play is why I, I have such fondness for savali but this year so far 267 era one 126 whip says the ERA is going to come back up, but it's been good thus far. Are you jumping on this Oakland-Milwaukee uh, in something shallower than 15s? Because obviously Savali will be rostered and started there. Uh, I mean, he he's listening to us. Go ahead. Rather have the guy walk in the yard, but also straight getting strikeouts and going, hey, that's what I'm kind of trying to do because I'm, last I'm three change starts, my... yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a five walk per nine and in almost nine a strikeout per nine. Uh but, I mean, these are two pretty good matchups. Oakland, like I said, one of the worst teams ever constructed. And the Brewers, like, True. are not a super scary offense. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Slam totally dunk, fine. Right? Well, yeah, I'm totally fine rolling with this one. And I would consider this in 12s uh, for mm -hmm. Savali. And I would go Savali over Kikuchi. Yeah. All right. Michael Lorenzen has been pitching pretty well lately. Uh, his last one, you know, not as good. But all in all, not too bad of a season right now for the Tigers. He gets KC in Minnesota. Um, both at home, I think. Casey, Minnesota. Yes, both at home. So both in Comerica for Michael Lorenzen. Have, how have you been finding him this year with his 423 ERA, 109 whip, very 15 team viable? Are you dipping into 12s at all with Lorenzen on the KC and Minnesota matchups? Remember a few years ago, we had like a discussion. I think it was on Kenta Maeda where uh, Kenta Maeda, I think maybe coming off the 2020 year where like he never faced like a team that was actually good because he only really faced his division. Yes. Um, this has been the Michael Lorenzen story in the last two starts. He's gone outside of the division and just gotten wrecked. So um, Arizona uh, and Atlanta, 12 runs and 12 and, a th and 12 and two thirds. There you go. I picked him up earlier on in the season or maybe even uh, drafted him uh, because uh I'm in a dynasty league where uh, I'm not competing, but I need to get an innings limit so I don't get like penalized on my draft rank. Oh yeah. Um, and so like, I've been trying to soak up bad innings and he was screwing me early on, but now we're getting to the Michael Lorenzen. I know and love uh, that uh, is not good. 
You know what's scary is when you're looking at the game log of Michael Lorenzen, it's five outings of five plus earned runs, which, you know, again, you can't you can't fake a good outing with that. That's about five ERA, even if you finish the game. So that's just inherently bad. The other six outings are zero or one earned run. So like he's been so good in those six, so bad in the other five. Who are you getting? I guess, you know, the the probability of it is probably one up, one down. So he might rock KC this time and then get hit by Minnesota. KC actually had drops one of those five burgers on him um, Mm -hmm. on May 22nd at KC, five earned in five and two thirds for Lorenzen. So it's definitely 15 team viable. Um, In 12s, I think he's probably even, I might even go Kikuchi over Lorenzen. Yeah, I probably do go Kikuchi over Lorenzen. Thing is, Kansas City is just as bad as Oakland. I think they have a worse yeah. record. Like, and I don't put too much in the May twenty second start, thinking mm-hmm. that Lorenzen's going to get hit by them again. That that seems more like the anomaly than the trend. Um, it's just the K's aren't great. The win probability isn't yeah. great. That's why it's harder in twelves for Lorenzen. And yeah. I do think even Kikuchi could give up four or five runs to one of those teams and still get a dub because they're beating the hell out of some Oakland pitcher. Exactly. Except for Hogan Harris or J.P. Sears. They're both mm-hmm. amazing. All right, so we like we like Lorenzen a little bit, 15s, not really so much 12s. Look who might be coming back. Or I mean, I, it's penciled in right now, and I hope this stays. You know, obviously things could change on a rehab. But Tariq Skubal is slated to be back and get the same setup of KC Minnesota next week. God, let that happen, please. As a Tigers fan, I would love to see that. Um, what do you think if Scooble does come up and get a two-step? I think this is just a stash. So it's not a matter okay. of using him this week. He hasn't gotten more than three innings in any of his uh, three rehab starts. Uh, so I, I just don't know that he's going to go deep enough into the game to uh, register a win, much less a quality start. Uh, I love Scooble from a straight skills perspective if he's healthy. Uh, so I'm I'm totally down like picking him up and kind of waiting and seeing when he gets stretched out enough that uh, you can qualify for win. But he might not uh, get the two step, by the way, because they only play six games. So Reese Olsen might just throw on Tuesday and then scuba back on the weekend. But it's worth mentioning him anyway, because Mm -hmm. he's coming back and he does make for an interesting stash. Uh, Your point about him not being stretched out enough to be like an instant scoop right now is a great call. Where are you stashing, Scooble? 15's obvious. So basically I'm asking if 12's or 10's, are you going to have enough interest in Scooble? Do you want to stash now, drop him on an IL spot? What, how, how are you playing this with Scoobs while we wait to see what's going on with him? Yeah, if I can drop him on an IL spot, I'll pick him up in 12's for sure. Um, and I, I think even if I can't, I might. I think it, I think in 12's, especially where you've got deeper benches, I think I would. Uh, I, would I think I would scoop and put him. I mean, the strikeout upside is just so nice with him. It's still, I mean, even though they moved in the fences, it's still a great place to pitch. So I I like uh, I like Scoville a lot. I, you know, I was bummed when he got hurt. So I think this yeah. is a good opportunity to kind of stash him and, and hope for the best. I fully agree. I think you want to go ahead and, and scoop him now. See if you can get Scooble before anyone's paying attention. Obviously, in like the NFPC format, unless he was drafted in a league, you, you can't pick him up. But most other leagues, it's it's free range. And I don't think he was held on the IL in a lot of those formats because teams quickly got you know more present guys that they had to put on their limited ILs. So you're going to find a lot of Scooble availability. I'm down to jump it early, uh, even if he doesn't line up for two this week. I'm not going to make you discuss Jordan Lyles, so I'm going to cross it <laughs> I was, off. I was just about to type. <laughs> but Daniel Lynch, who we did talk about yesterday with Tristan, uh, comes to Detroit and then goes, to, or uh, excuse me, goes to Detroit and then goes back home to face Tampa Bay. So that's a classic one-up, one-down with the streamer. You talked about some of your frustrations with him for that last outing, where, again, I want to give him a little bit of credit on the seven and run outing. I know that sounds like a weird sentence, but he gave up five of those in the fifth. He could have easily been done there. At least he gave you those two extra innings to soften the blow a little bit. And I might sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. That can be so valuable when a guy, you know, can get those extra tack on innings to at least undercut the bad ERA a little bit. But it was a rough outing. He had had three three decent outings before that with Daniel Lynch. Where do you stand with him now facing uh, at Detroit, home to Tampa? Ah. Uh. 
I'm just not sure I trust that Tampa Bay outing. Tampa's been like That's the second, second best or best team in baseball, depending on what stat you're looking at, uh, against left-handed pitching this year. And while Detroit isn't a very good offense in general and isn't very good against the lefties specifically, um, I just don't trust Daniel Lynch. So uh, I think that's fair. I should have listened to Sir Nick Pollock. I just, you know. Freaking Sir Nick Pollock, man. He is a knight in shining mm-hmm. armor. Uh, yeah, I'd be careful with Lynch here if you're talking about, like, dipping into 12s. I just don't think you can put that Tampa Bay start out there. I'd take Crawford, Kikuchi, Lorenzen, Savali, all of them over him in the 12 because that Tampa start just looms there terrifying me. Yeah. Uh, we did talk about this guy with Tristan as well, but let's get a, a more thorough outlook on Edward Cabrera, who we know has gobs of talent, right? It's all about whether or not he's keeping the walks under control. I think I mentioned yesterday that when he does, Edward Cabrera is literally matchup proof. I'd, if, I, if you could guarantee me that two walks are fewer, I would literally start him against any team in most formats, to be honest. However, you could never guarantee me that because that's just not Edward Cabrera's game. Only, uh, let's see, seven of his starts do have two or fewer walks, but then eight have three or more. Or excuse me, seven. So it's an even even seven and seven on the three and over walks and two or fewer. So you never know what you're getting. You get Toronto and Pittsburgh both at home. Are you willing to take on a really good offense in Toronto and a shockingly solid offense. Nobody called that. I, n- I heard nobody talking about Pittsburgh's offense. Not a single person. Mother- Zero. Zero people. How, how dare I'm, you? I'm, I'm how- sure the audience agrees. Yeah. We, we heard I- nobody in the offseason talking Pittsburgh's offense. How dare you not give me credit on Father's Day weekend? You did. Um- mm-hmm. You did indeed say, hey, watch out. They're sneaky. And here they are in first. Their offense can be froggy. Is that enough to scare you off of Cabrera at all with the Toronto start as well? Yeah, I think they, um, I think I saw a stat like that Pittsburgh had the second or third most games where they didn't score a run this season. Um, so like they can get shut out pretty easily, but, uh, I, I do not trust this one at all, especially because Pittsburgh, uh, walks the fourth most amount in baseball against right handed pitching. Um, so Edward Cabrera is not the guy you want to mess around with. And then you get the Toronto offense as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do not. I think I would rather start Kikuchi, honestly. No, stop. At least the matchups are. Stop. The are matchups are that, wonderful for Kikuchi. Edward Cabrera has a 140 whip. Like, I know it is scary. murdering your whip right now. Yep. 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 And you know, the, the contrary to what I was saying about be, him being matchup proof when he's on is that literally anyone can smoke him when he's off. I think I made the case that me, you, Tristan and, and six others could do some damage against him when he's walking the yard. So it's a high risk situation. I think I still like Cabrera a bit more than Kikuchi, uh, despite the matchups, but I totally understand, uh, shallow form- formats, not starting Cabrera. Where are you at with him in 15s? Is Cabrera on the border he, for you in 15s? I think he is on the border. Um, okay, think, so I you're mean, really he, nervous. Yeah. Understandably, I, by the way. I'm not saying that like you're crazy for being nervous about Edward Cabrera. Yeah, I mean, you've got Pittsburgh, like I said. And actually, they're the sixth, uh, uh, sixth highest walk percentage. Okay. But still, that that's that's all you know. They're walking at almost 10% rate versus right-handed pitching this year. Uh, yeah. And then <clears> Toronto, <throat> who's just... You know, I mean, they're just so powerful. They can crush anybody, and I I, I don't want to mess with this one. No, I, I think that's fair. I think you, you you don't go to this one right away. There's a little bit of name value there because he was a huge prospect, he, and his, his upside of uh, Edward Cabrera is alluring, but I don't think it's an automatic just go with this because it's a two-step. Mm-hmm. Both are at home. It is a little nerve-wracking, though. Uh, Bailey Ober. I put him on the list only because I think sometimes my little my 15 team head permeates the entire fantasy landscape. And I'm like, Bailey Ober's a god. I love Bailey Ober. And I do. I do feel that way. And he is 70% rostered at uh, Yahoo. So I'm really thinking on tens and lower. Is, is he in all formats? Start him all the time. Bailey Ober gets Boston and at Detroit. Is he that good where you're starting him in all formats? I am. But I, I gotta check in because I know he's not as widely beloved in in say ten teamers. Um, 
I I think he is at the moment. I think he could very quickly become a guy where you need to play more matchups with him. Uh, I mean, he still puts over 50% of the balls that he allows in play in the air. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, and while it hasn't come back to bite him, um, you know, if you, if you did listen to the episode with Draft Sheet, Draft Sheet was talking about how the Cleveland Guardians have had, like, the coldest temperatures um, this year. And uh, so, like, a lot of those N, uh, or NFC, <laughs> this AL Central teams, have been dealing with like unseasonably cold weather and now it's starting to heat up across the Midwest. I think balls are, I think a lot of the guys in Minnesota who are almost all fly ball guys uh, are going to have problems. Um, and so I, I do worry a little bit, uh, you know, this one is home versus Boston and at Detroit. So the one you really worried about is in Minnesota and the one you yeah. don't worry about is at Detroit. So I think this is another good opportunity to get a really good couple starts from over. So I think he's a must start this week. We start reevaluating next week. I think that's totally fair uh, because Ober is running a really low homer to fly ball rate. So I don't know if the homer suppression is, is fully believable. He ran a 5% mark in 56 innings last year. 8% mark this year in 57 and two thirds. So, you know, 17% back in uh, 2021 when he allowed two homers per nine. And we were always like, this Bailey Ober guy's got a lot of skills, but he's a home run machine, kind of like Kikuchi. But the last two years, he's dug into those homers. But has it been suppression or just a good homer to fly ball rate? Right now, it looks like a good homer to fly ball rate. You got to be careful. This is a full go-to step, but I agree. He's not a blind set it and forget it, Bailey Ober. We have to stay checked in with him to make sure that those homers aren't getting him. He did give up two last time out. They happen to both be solos. So yeah. as long as when the regression comes, it's solos, we can live with that. But Dude, I don't he's, want him to... he's following the Tyler Wells plan right now. And it's, yes. It's working right now, but you do wonder, like, in the back of your mind, like, hey, when is this really going to kill me? Because it feels like it's going to at some point. That's why, you know, I, I sat Wells against Toronto. I played mm -hmm. it cautiously with him and Bradish. Um, you know, it would have worked to start both process over results. And there will yep. probably be a time where I sit Bailey over in a, in a tough matchup because of his homers, and then he does fine, and that's okay. I'm going to stick with my my strategies throughout the year and hopefully come up more more often than not. Uh, another guy that we did discuss with Tristan that you guys had been agonizing over because you both share Ranger Suarez on, on key teams. He dominated on y'all's bench. He gets Atlanta and the Mets next week, both at home. You talked a bit about him yesterday, but give us your thoughts on where Suarez is at as far as 15s, 12s, and 10s. And if you're starting him with this double two-step, couple of division foes that are pretty good when, when they want. Well, Atlanta's been good all year. The Mets kind of up and down. Um, are you scared by this, or are you going back to the well with uh, with Suarez after you lost out on the good start this week? Oh, man, this is so tricky because Atlanta has been the best team of baseball versus left-handed pitching from an OPS standpoint. Uh, mm -hmm. And not even that particularly close. I mean, 30 points above the Rays uh, in OPS gets lefties. So, like, they've been crushing them. But you mentioned, like, they've been not as good recently. I think I'm trying to stay away from this one if I can. Um, okay. I just think that it's – you know, Suarez is one of those guys that can be a real whip killer when things aren't going well. Um, and he's not a high strikeout you know, upside guy either. So like, you're not at least balancing like that high reward with the risk that comes along with him necessarily. He's been pitching really well as of late. So I understand wanting to roll with it in deeper formats, but I just I feel like this is a trap and he's going to get fucking worked. Four earned in his last four starts combined for Ranger Suarez, yeah. including a trip to the Mets, trip to the Diamondbacks and a home start against the Dodgers. So, I mean, okay, so deep leagues, yes on Suarez? I think it's still maybe. Okay, um, so the mediums, it's, no. It's a, it's a, it's a probably. They, probably deep. You're not starting Kikuchi over him. You're not starting okay. Lorenzen over him. So that was, Those are literally my next question. So there's still some consideration in like 12s for Suarez, but you're probably not getting there in 10s is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. I, I think I, I concur on that. Yes, deep leagues. 
considering in mediums, no in shallows. All right, let's talk about a couple of pirates. Osvaldo Beto, who came up, made a spot start this week, actually looked pretty decent and might be uh, ready to stick with them and, and get a two start next week. And then Johan Oviedo, actually, hang on, and now it says Rich Hill is in that uh, in that Oviedo spot, at least according to, uh, what's it called? Um, Rotowire. So let's go with that. Beto and Hill now getting the Cubs and at Miami. Let's start with Beto because he is a new guy. Uh, he's not like some sparkling prospect or anything. He's he's an older 20s guy. And by the way, we're still listing Oviedo too. So I, I don't know. It might be Oviedo. It might be Hill. We can talk both just in case. But Beto first, 27-year-old comes up, um, you know, not a journeyman, has been with Pittsburgh the whole time, but, you know, not a prospect once you kind of reach your, your mid to late 20s. Uh, has always had walk issues, has missed bats decently at AAA, uh, was having an all right year there, 455 ERA, 130. Feels like they just called him up because they needed an arm. He gave him four decent innings uh, in his MLB debut. You seen anything here on Beto? It was against the Cubs, so he gets the Cubs again, and then a trip to Miami. Is there anything appealing here? He did have six strikeouts in the four innings, seven base runners, one run. Osvaldo Beto, put us on on this guy. I mean, feels like uh, a guy that can be effective when he doesn't walk the yard. Um, I I don't know if he is like just a trap. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who's had like. He hasn't had better than a 130 whip since 2019. Um, so, like, he's a, he's a potential whip killer. There are strikeouts there, and these are decent matchups. But I don't know. Like, this feels like fake player. Don't mess with it. <laughs> what about NL only for Osvaldo Pito? Yeah, I mean, in NL only, I think you are you have such limited options that yeah. hey, you find two star guy off the wire, then you you roll with it. Yeah, but th this has a lot of blowout potential. You got to be very careful here. Even with getting the strikeouts in that debut, only had a 9% swinging strike rate, which it's four innings. I'm not saying that's who he is in the majors, but we don't know what Beto is. And again, he wasn't a prospect of any note. So we're kind of flying blind here. I'd be I'd be careful. Uh, let's talk Hill, and then we'll talk Oviedo, because again, one's penciled in on one side, the other's penciled in on the other side as far as that other two-step guy. Oviedo is an interesting arm to me. I really do like him. I think the idea of what he can be is is appealing. We've talked about this before where, where we like the idea of somebody, but not necessarily starting them in practice. That's kind of where I'm at with Oviedo with his massively high whip at 147. 440 ERA for deep leagues is not the end of the world, but when it comes with that whip and not many strikeouts for what I think his arm could generate, 21% K rate, I find myself a little cold with Oviedo, but this is not a bad two-step with, with the harder of the two, the Cubs, being at home and then a trip to Miami. He's not a lefty, Oviedo, so he won't get the uh, the tougher side of Miami. Any interest in deep league Oviedo? He, he had been pitching quite well for a while and then got roughed up by these Cubs. Did sprinkle in eight Ks with the four runs and four and a third, but his uh, six starts before that were three runs or fewer across all of them. So where are you at on Johan Oviedo if he gets the two-step? Okay, so I know the last start from a numbers perspective isn't uh what you want to see but he got babbit to death in this one okay because i did not see that one yeah yeah he had like a 615 babbit in the outing <laughs> like it was he 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 got really really unlucky here um and he did exactly what i kind of wanted to see he was filling up the zone 47 percent zone uh rate um and, you know, it, it resulted in a ton of strikeouts and a ton of ground balls. This is exactly what I want to see from Oviedo. I'm a big fan of his. And uh, I'm definitely, if he's doing the two-step, which I don't think he is, I think, or actually, which I do think he is, I think Rich Hill isn't getting the two-step. Because Hill's pitching today, Oviedo pitched yesterday. So oh, Hill's pitching sense. today? Oh, yeah, yeah then he, so, won't, he won't get it. I, I do think Rona Wire's off on that one. Then. Yeah, so um, I think I am starting Oviedo in most formats. Um, I think I'm starting him over guys like Ranger Suarez and Lorenzo and Gikuchi. Um, you know, I, th I think he's a, a pretty good bet this week to at least rack up some strikeouts. And as long as he doesn't get babbit to death, um, you know, turn out some pretty good outings.
Yeah, I, I'm with you on Oviedo. I like him too. And you mentioned he got Babbitt at the Cubs, and it was really only the last inning that was bad. He gave up three of those four runs in the fifth with the eight punches and the one walk. Um, so it got, a, it got away from him a little bit, but I think he could rebound here with these two starts. Let's just talk Hill briefly then, because I, I agree with yeah. you. If he's going today, then he's not going to get a two-step. But he's doing his Rich Hill thing again, where he's putting out some really appealing starts to make him a, 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 a an attractive pickup on the wire. But his last five starts really give you the essence of the risk that you're taking. Zero, five, six, one, and two earned runs. So that little five pack there really runs the gamut of the greatness to the to the trouble that you can get with Rich Hill. And it's not matchup dependent either. So what do you do with Rich Hill? Yeah, I'd argue it is I'd argue it is okay. matchup dependent. Go ahead, Look go at ahead. Those, those last five starts. Good one at Detroit, bad one versus Texas, bad one at San Francisco. Good one versus St. Louis. Good one versus the Mets. Like, well, doesn't St. Louis hit? Despite how god awful they are, did they not hit lefties? I mean, I know they hit righties pretty decently. Let's see. I, I'll take a look real quick. But no, they uh, they're 18th in OPS okay. versus left-handed pitching this year. So they've got members of that team that can hit lefties, but, sure, but as, not a, as a club. As, as a whole, they just suck this year for no and last thirty reason. days. Yeah, like, I don't understand it. Last thirty days, uh, they're twentieth as well, so they're trending down a little bit as well for the cards. Okay, so maybe it is a bit more matchup uh, based then. So let's say he gets uh, Miami. We're, we're starting to now. They they've been tougher as you highlighted. Mm-hmm. Would you would you go for him? Would you be more interested if Hill gets the Cubs? or at Miami for a uh, 12-team type stream this week? Cubs have been uh, good against lefties, too. So I think maybe i just skip this one with Rich Hill. Um, Both have been top – both Miami and Chicago have been top 10 against left-handed pitching this year in terms of OPS. You still starting them in 15s, though, regardless of the matchup? I think so. Yeah. I mean, unless you've got other options, you might have yeah. a situation where you can bench him. But I think Rich Hill is no worse than a team streamer in 15s, standard streamer in 12s, and maybe the occasional go for in a 10, depending on what's available on the wire. Um, I brought up, I, I kept this guy on the list, even though he might be more of an automatic. Michael Waka continues to dominate here. So I really wanted to talk about him. He has a 289 ERA and a 106 whip. Um, he, I mean, he's just been really great this year. He's also got a 16% strikeout minus walk rate, which is pretty solid. He's keeping the ball in the yard with a, a 0.7 homer per nine, which is nearly half of last year's 1.3 mark. Waka's been great. Do you believe it? He goes to San Francisco and home to Washington this week. I think the matchups are good, but I'm more interested in where you're at with him as far as being a set it and forget it in 15s. <laughs> this is such a weird set of matchups, too, because you've got... Washington, who doesn't strike out, but really sucks against right-handed pitching, mm-hmm. just in general. And then you got the Giants, who are pretty good against right-handed pitching, but strike out all the time. Yeah, so, they'll give you the Ks. So the, I co- think the, the combo of the week should be nice. Yeah, the com- exactly, and I think that's what I'm rolling with is the combo of that week, um, and you know, hoping that I, you know, he blanks Washington, but uh, maybe you don't get a ton of strikeouts. You get a bunch of them versus San Francisco, and, and hopefully he doesn't get. Uh, you know, kind of killed in that matchup, uh, especially because I believe, yeah, it's in San Francisco. So, um, and then home versus uh, Washington. So, yeah, I think I think this is probably a must start at this point. Like, I do expect some so regression good. from Waka, but I, I think he can keep getting away with what he's been doing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm 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 in on this one. Are you going for Waka in tens right now? I think he's he's eighty one percent at at Yahoo, so he's not even super available in twelves. Is Waka a must start in tens right now with the way he's been rolling? I never want to say a must start in a ten because it really just depends on what your other options are. You, yeah, you might that, have that, a loaded fair. rotation, especially if you're like we talked about with yesterday with Tristan. Like, you know, they only have seven starting pitcher spots, so like a ten mm-hmm. team with seven starting pitcher spots. He may not register um, as a must start. But he has been 19th among starters this year. Yeah, he's pretty damn close. That's to crazy. It. Yeah, like, he's been rolling. I love Walker, yeah. man. I, I really mm-hmm. have uh, throughout his career. So, yeah, I agree, though. Um, even being 19th ranked pitcher in 10s, there is a world where he's not a must just because you have a setup where you've just got 
a bunch of studs. Uh, I will say in a two-step, he's probably pretty close to a must, even in tens. But Waka's rolling right now. Anywhere that he's available, jump on board for sure. Um, I just want to talk this handsome devil here just to check in on him. Tyler Glass now is back and uh, still way too good looking. Doesn't seem fair. Mm -hmm. But he's been pitching fine. The walks are up, though. And they, this is something that he struggled with early in his career. It's 21 innings. I don't want to make too much out of it, Justin. Just just kind of a check-in here. I know you're starting him against Baltimore KC, all formats, unless you want to say something to the contrary. But where are you at with, uh, with Glass now after four starts? You feeling good about him? You think he's going to be a summer uh, stud for people? What, what, what's up with Glass now? Where, where, where have you been after his four starts? So what do we say about first full season back from Tommy John? Be careful. Well, and... What are they struggling oh, last with? Thing, command is the last thing to come come into uh, into the picture. Yeah, the command and control are you know always issues when you're coming back, and we're seeing that right. He's, yep, he's having you know a little bit of trouble with walks, a little bit of trouble with home runs. It hasn't been atrocious, and he's got such great stuff. He gets away with it. So, I I'm not like I mean he's he's in the must start tier. Yeah, um, yeah. especially with these matchups, but um, like yeah. I, I wouldn't be super worried about this necessarily because this is what we kind of expect from guys coming back from Tommy John. So, um, you know, if if you've, you've if you've been rolling with Glass, now continue to roll with him, especially in these matchups. You know, we're not worried about this. Yep, to totally agree there, and I feel good about him as well. I think mm -hmm. he is somebody that, you know, obviously health is always the biggest issue. If he's healthy, I think he's going to be a summer gem for folks. Mm -hmm. Your boy Andrew Heaney. Doing Andrew Heaney things, which isn't always a positive comment. Um, it can it can have elements of positivity. That that usually means that he's striking guys out, but it also usually means that he's giving up walks and or getting hurt. Well, thankfully he's not getting hurt. He's been healthy, but he gets trips to the White Sox and the Yankees, which is not bad by the way. The White Sox suck, and the Yankees without Judge also suck. Is that enough for your boy here? Because he hasn't been pitching super well. Uh, lately, during during this month, with ten walks in his last three outings, are you nervous about this being an indicator for Heaney, or is this just a bump? And you're excited for this two step, Andrew Heaney. What do you think? He's gone over the sixty inning threshold, and all of a sudden, he can't control anything. Um, That's a big workload this, for him. Yeah, this feels like the time where Andrew Heaney gets hurt. Um, I dropped him in our twelve team Yahoo league that we do for the uh the pod so um uh i i mean these aren't bad matchups but i don't know that i'm even willing to risk this in a 10 or a 12 I, like i said i dropped if him like, justin's not starting andrew yeah. Lee, then nobody's starting him right i that feels like the correct answer i i just yeah i just there's such huge blow up potential that mm -hmm. i'm I understand, like, in a 15-team or, like, you probably don't have better options, and these are, you know, good matchups. But, uh, man, this, what, he's going to get murdered in one of these. I don't know which one, but he's going to get murdered. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like uh, when when he's wobbly, uh, he and he can get got by anybody. And so yeah. while these are good matchups, and I do think you have to start him in a 15. I mean, yeah. you got a better you got better options, you don't have to, but... He's certainly on the table for 15s. Is more of a uh, Hail Mary throw in 12s, I think. Uh, let's say, uh, let's go to our, our litmus test here. Kikuchi or Heaney in 12s? Oh. That's really um, tough for me, too, by the way. I, I mean. I think I go Heaney. But, well, I was going to say better team. Toronto and Texas you, are both awesome. Were you a, a fan of The Office? Oh, yeah. So you know the meme where uh, uh, Je uh, Jenna Fisher, uh, aka yeah, Pam, Jen is looking. Yeah, it's the yeah. same picture. It's same picture. Yeah, it's, it's the, the same picture. picture. Yeah, they're both they left both handed. Left yeah. Home run issues. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Um, so then I think you, I think then you go to the matchups, which which does lean Kikuchi. Even with Miami being tough, it's still at Miami, and yeah. you still have to go to Yankee Stadium. Which even without you know without Judge they're not good, but I'd rather not do that. So I I think I lean Kikuchi over Heaney, which feels gross to say. I mean but. the matchups are actually better for Heaney. They they really are because again Miami is pretty good against lefties. We have to acknowledge that. Um, I mean the White Sox are the twenty seventh 
team in baseball and they, against they just, left-handed pitching. They've been and the Yankees are the 17th and don't have Judge. So I think I go Heaney here. I mean, the matchups are. And the, I mean, they both, both have the amazing offenses like behind them, like. True, true. They're, they're supporting yeah. cast there. Toronto and Texas, of course. Big support to put them in win potential. Man. I think I'm going, I, I'm, I think I'm going Heaney here. but Okay. I think I'm slightly Kikuchi, but I, I can't argue too hard the other way. Uh, I don't know if you put much into this because it really is hard to care about home road splits when teams when someone doesn't play in extreme park like uh, Coors or something. But Heaney's been exponentially better on the road so far this year. 243 well, ERA versus 535. I, I, again, I don't know if I should even put much. We did talk that. about yesterday that the, the park factors had shifted a little bit. In taxes, playing, so maybe that is playing a bit more a hitter. Bit friendly. Of, yeah, I mean, let me take a look real quick at like where Heaney is played on the road. Well, I can tell you. Okay, so he's only had four or five starts on the road this year. Okay. But listen to these locations. At Tampa Bay, good place to pitch. At yep. Baltimore, good place to pitch. At mm-hmm. Oakland, good place to pitch. <laughs> At Seattle, good place to pitch. At Houston, not good place to pitch. Wow. Okay, so yeah, that that's been that don't put too much into that. Don't start him yeah. just because of that. Again, pick your favorite. Heaney, uh Kikuchi, they're this close. I, I got I got yeah. nothing between them. You pick whoever you like better. It's there. really a coin flip. Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, and either could really burn you. That's that's the real real message here is be careful with mm-hmm. either of them. All right, let's talk uh, the, the the baby Nats here. Both of them been pitching well. This is for shallow performance. I think you're starting both in 15s easily. Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, St. Louis at home, and a trip to San Diego. Uh, Josiah Gray is 41% in Yahoo Leagues, and he's actually on your team in our um Mm-hmm. in our head-to-head league, and then 48% for Gore. So they're they're pretty available, and I have Gore on my team. Uh, they're pretty available in 12s and lower. How interested are you in Gray and Gore in those shallower formats where they're available with the St. Louis-San Diego two-step? I'm more interested in Gore. Um, okay. We're starting to see you know some of the regression that we kind of expected from Josiah Gray to kind of creep back, uh, you know, and his whip has been really really bad this year so um i think i i prefer gore i think he's a little just a bit safer of an mg uh but i think i mean in 15s i think you're starting for both these guys in oh, 12s yeah. it's really just dependent on your team like how how much can or you know what other options you potentially have but like i i would start oviedo over both um i think i'm starting you'd start oviedo over both of them I would. Oh wow, that's that's a statement. That's a yeah. statement there. That's some uh, love for Oviedo big been time. Really good against lefties this year, and I'm always nervous uh, against the Padres, even when the yeah. numbers say they haven't been pitching well. It's still the Padres. They're still a yeah. badass lineup, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I respect the numbers. Okay, I put the numbers out on my SP chart, but I still look at certain teams. Even St. Louis, we talked about uh-huh. how we can't bury those idiots until they're like dead and gone as far as that division. So those these are two matchups where I could see either of them or both of them getting murked, but I like both arms. But Oviedo over both of them, that, again, that is a statement there. What yeah. about um, what about them versus Savali in, in 12s? So it's like a floor versus ceiling type of thing. Like Savali kind of always your steady, decent guy. Gray or McGore could jump up, but they could go low too. So what about uh, Savali versus the two Nats I think in 12s? I'm, I think I'm definitely taking Savali over Gray. Okay. Um, I think it comes down to what your team needs in terms of uh, Gore versus Savali. If, if you want strikeouts, yeah, strikeouts versus ratios, I think is, is kind of the question. So need ratios okay. goes Savali. Need strikeouts, um, go, Gore. go Gore. And if it's if it's neutral, you go Gore because the upside thing is much greater. Okay, I think I agree with all that uh, there. Savali again with the Oakland Milwaukee is nice, but. Um, yeah, Gray and Gore have definitely done a lot more this year that make them uh, in the mix here. And, you know, I know you came into the season actually touting both, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. I know you've been a, yeah. a Josiah Gray guy and Gore, and they, they've been doing some nice things. So 
Nats actually have something to be excited about with these two pitchers. We'll see how both of them do. Uh, St. Louis and at San Diego. All right, Justin, some interesting names out there for people to go out and pick up. Uh, regardless of the league type you're in, I think there's viable pickups for 15s, 12s, and 10s on the two-start landscape this week. As far as bidding goes, any, is there is there a big dog this week? There isn't a big prospect call-up for once, right? Unless Emmett Sheehan throws nine scoreless. Yeah. He's, he's going to throw a shutout. No, he's not even going to do that. He's going to throw like five no. innings. It's uh, not, not going to be Emmett I Sheehan. I think it gets to be a little bit um, nicer, like maybe an There'll be someone called up over the weekend that'll screw us, I'm, so, I'm sure. I, but I just want like a week where I'm not debating whether or not I want to spend. I mean, I don't have it anymore, so it's easier for me to not have to do that and be like, oh, no, yeah. I want to spend this money. I don't have the money. I guess Matos, and that's the thing, though, too, is because we've been so conditioned to having like a, a stud of the week. Mm -hmm. I think you even mentioned this with regards to Matos. Don't get caught up with him being the stud of the week just because everyone someone has to fill that spot sometimes yeah. there's no stud and we don't think that matos is necessarily a fantasy game changer uh i think that's what you were trying to say yesterday with him right yeah i i just i mean i think he's a guy that could be interesting i think i'm a little bit higher on him than you and tristan were but um I also don't think he is a guy that you want to do a triple digit bid, like, or okay. even, no, wait, wait. even 10% thought, of your remaining fab. Like I, I wouldn't, even I thought do. you were down on him. So I, I no, think he's probably I think pretty close. He's got an opportunity. He, I think he can make good contact. He can steal bases, but that you just part, didn't want him to be some $250 guy. Yeah. Like he's a, a 30, $40 guy. He's not, I, I tend know, to at, at, at best $30, $40. You know? Yeah. Like you shouldn't if if you only have twenty or two hundred bucks, like don't be going over, don't even be going double digits on it. Like this should be like five percent of your remaining fab at best. Are you talking directly to me? I have two hundred. I'm directly talking. To I have two hundred something dollars left. Um, what he does, like at his best, though, could really help me. But it's so hard to buy waiver guys for batting average because mm -hmm. it's just such a volatile damn stat so yeah i don't think there's going to be a, a bonanza unless somebody gets called up and um they have to pitch or, or hit by saturday though because even if they're called up on sunday yeah in that NFBC, doesn't count yeah. in nfbc here's it i just want to throw out one last name before we go we talk about cleveland and all the things that they're able to do with their pitching development right now you know they have ousted quantrill and uh please well quantrill went to the il please got murked you know, we were wondering, well, what's going to happen with these young guys, Bybee and Allen, when McKenzie, Savale, and them come back? Well, the the chaff was cut. Cody Morris is back, and he's going to be—he's in the bullpen right now. I love his arm. Is he somebody that you'd stash in a deeper league for? You know, as the next fill-in for them, or are his own injury concerns too much to even worry about that right now with Cody Morris in Cleveland? Yeah, I think I don't think he's going to enter the rotation. If another piece enters this rotation, it's Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams, Gavin baby. Williams is the dude that I would go and stash right now if you're looking to stash the next pitcher, uh, because he will be the next like big fab piece um, from that Guardians team. The question is, when is he up? Like, I just I think Not until he's they get gonna, an opening. I think unless there's an injury, I think he has to wait till the trade deadline. Um, I tend to agree. Yeah. And can you hold on to a guy for a month and a half when we only have three and a half months left? So I, you know, I think it, you know, it becomes that kind of question. Like we talk about, like when a guy goes down with an oblique injury at this point in the season, like, is he worth holding on to? You got to kind of reverse that for those prospects is, are these guys worth holding on to until August? Yep. No, I, I think that that's, that's the exact question you have to ask, and I don't know that Gavin Williams is necessarily worth holding, depending on your situation, how many reserves and all that, but keep tabs on him. And I, like I said, I like Cody Morris, but I agree. That I think the injuries might just be piling up too much to where they might not even worry about starting him anymore. Yeah, he's a two-to-three-inning relief guy. I, they may start him in the future, you know? Um, Maybe, yeah. I, if the Guardians aren't competing or, like, really close at the deadline, they're definitely a team that could try to sell, and, you know... Bieber is a guy they might want to try to get value from. Mm -hmm. uh, see, maybe Savali. Savali is another guy they might want to try. To, so, like that would make openings long term. But I think for twenty twenty three, I think Cody Morris is a reliever. I think that's totally fair. I love him. 
keep an eye on him. If he jumps into the rotation, we're, we'll make a move, but we don't have to make a preemptive move. Yeah. All right, Justin, that's going to do it. Uh, heading into the weekend, got any big plans? You and Ju- you and Jason working on Sunday? We are, and I was actually, um, I kind of got a little distracted there because, uh, let's see, uh, I believe I have a guest, and I was trying to, trying to uh, confirm look, that. Uh, which guest I have. I can't remember. I believe it's a Ryan. It is a oh, a oh. Ryan. Um, I believe it's Ryan Venasio. Perfect. Uh, Arm barn. Yeah, who uh, who has a really cool different podcast for those of you who like multiple sports. He has a baseball slash basket fantasy basketball podcast That's uh, called awesome In the Cut combo. that he does with John Fish, a uh, big time NFBC player. So mm-hmm. if you like basketball and baseball, that's a really or if you just like one or the other. But clearly you like baseball if you're an hour in to yes. this episode. So, um, yeah, go go check that out. Uh, uh, and I do believe it's Ryan Venasio, uh going to be coming on with me and Jason this weekend. Perfect. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a great weekend, and you and I will talk on Monday. All right. Take it easy.